an important win for Vice President Al Gore. NBC News projects that he wins the 25 electoral votes in the state of Florida. That's great news in Nashville tonight. That is a very, very, very important state for Al Gore. And now the pressure is on George W. Bush in Pennsylvania and Michigan. Stand by, stand by. Uh, CNN right now is moving our earlier declaration of Florida back to the too close to call column. <laughs> this no longer is a victory for Vice President Gore. We're moving it back. Should they break for Bush, the entire calculation of the last hour and a half changes dramatically. Uh, even now, they say they can win without Florida, but they don't believe they're going to have to. Welcome to the new right to 9-11 podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Young, uh, currently a sophomore at IU East University, uh, double majoring in secondary education and social studies with a Bachelor of Arts in History. And today, I'm joined by a super special guest and my best friend. Oh, I'm Cameron Turner. It's nice to meet you all. I'm a uh, secondary education for biology slash life science, and I'm also getting a minor in education policy, and I'm glad to be here. Jane's been a great friend, so. Oh, thank you so much. That means so much to me. Of course. Of course. What are we talking about, Jane? Uh, today we're talking about the 2000s election, which is a insanely complicated topic that I didn't know much about until I researched. So, I'm very into it. I'm very interested to get into it. You ready? Oh yeah. How's it? Uh, how's it begin? What are we dealing with? So, first of all, I want to introduce some people. Obviously, we have the candidates of George W. Bush, which is the Republican nominee. Uh, some other important players from uh, George Bush's lineup. Uh, this is brother, Jeb Bush, who was the governor of Florida. He's a please clap guy, right? Yes. Nice. <laughs> please clap. <laughs> anyway, John Ellis, which is George W. Bush's cousin that works at Fox News, or worked at Fox News. Roger Stone, right? The Trump guy? Same yeah, guy? Yeah. So okay. I believe he, he worked really close uh, with Trump as his lawyer or as one of his lawyers. Um, I don't think so anymore, at least not in Trump's current case. That's, uh, that's understandable. Yeah. Um, but And then we have Kathleen Harris, who was the uh, Bush's co-campaign chair in Florida. Fair enough. What about uh, the other side, the Democratic side? And then we, we got, got we got we got big old Al Gore. Mm-hmm. Um, some of you may know him from Man Bear Pig from South Park. Others may know him from losing the 2000 election. <laughs> Spoiler alert. He's, he's a big uh, climate guy, right? He is a huge climate guy, actually. That's the that's probably Shout out. like a. He's also during the 2000 election. He was also the vice president under Bill Clinton. So he had a I would say he had a pretty good start in uh in the race to become president pretty much. Mm-hmm. He, and like uh polling would show that he he led pretty much the entire time. Um except at the end in Florida. <laughs> the most important part. That's yeah. all right. <laughs> Um, and 
I think it's good to mention that he did win the popular vote, but lost the electoral college vote. But we'll get into that. So um, another person we should mention is Mayor Alex Pinellas or Pinellas of Miami-Dade. He was the mayor during this time, and he's going to be a unfortunate key player in this. Unfortunate? He, you'll see. Okay. Okay. All right. So, uh, to begin with, there's just a little bit of context as to, uh, you know, gearing up towards election night. So, a key player that I found in the story that I didn't expect to be as influential was Elian Gonzalez. So, Elian was born in Cardenas, Cuba, but he washed ashore alone after his family wasn't able to... Uh, survive the trip which mm-hmm. it, it, truth be told him surviving alone is already just a miracle impressive um, yeah and so the cuban american community in florida really took him in as their own instantly uh he had family living in florida um he stayed with his great uncle for the time being and then pretty much what ensued has been described as an international custody battle. And I guess that, I mean, that's a fair assessment because boy's father was still in Havana, Cuba, and he wanted to bring him back to Cuba, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fidel Castro, the leader of Cuba at the time, he also pushed to get Elian back into Cuba. But the Cuban-American community definitely didn't want Elian to go back. So a lot of these Cuban-Americans were actually exiles from Cuba, leaving the communist or the brand new communist uh, regime after the revolution in 1953. And so a lot of them were here because they were scared of a communist dictator rule. Um, And so... There were a there was a mass influx of immigrants into Miami and southern Florida from Cuba. Ensuing battle of who gets custody of Elian was a very complicated one because I believe the Florida Supreme Court had ruled that he has to stay in the United States, and then the Supreme Court counter ruled that one, saying that. Oh wow. Yeah, saying that it's not technically legal for a lower court to decide that. Um, So they had to give him back? Eventually, yeah. And so the police, it's a crazy story, but the police literally raided the family's house in full tactical gear and with, like, lethal out pointing at everybody. Yeah, and they're... There is a famous photo of Elian and his, I believe, great uncle in the closet. And uh, there's a SWAT member pointing a gun at them, yelling at this, I believe, 10-year-old child <laughs> at the time, 10. And Elian today, uh, he's actually a, I believe, a civic engineer or a, he's an engineer of some type in Cuba. 
he's now. he's talked out about the uh, this whole experience and how it's changed his like view on the world, which I mm-hmm. don't. I mean, understand. Don't blame him. Yeah, under, yeah, understandable. Very much uh, so. This very traumatic event happening, but yeah, eventually he was extradited back into Cuba, and the Cuban Americans felt like the Clinton administration had betrayed them essentially because they were here to get away from communism and uh, Fidel Castro's rule. And instead (laughs) Clinton is working with him yeah, and trying to get Elion back into Cuba. And so I'm assuming this uh, impacted because Gore was the vice president at this time. I'm assuming that's that impacted his chances for being president. Oh yeah. A bunch. So after the extradition, the Cuban American community kind of, they didn't riot, but they most definitely protested. Yeah. Um, You can see signs that they made uh, saying that we'll remember in November. And, Mm -hmm. and well, they did. So yeah. Cuban American vote was swaying away from Democrats and, Alex or Mayor Alex Pinellas or Pinellas, um, he was a Democrat, and him and Gore were fairly close. Not like friendly close, but as in politician close. Yeah, partners, I guess, if you want to say that. Um, and Mayor Alex Pinellas uh, promised that he would campaign for Gore uh, in his county and help him. Uh, gained back some votes that he lost from the Cuban-American community. Mm -hmm. But here is, like, the big thing. Uh, Once Gore got to the state and started campaigning, like, uh, at one of his rallies that Alex was supposed to be at, or Mayor Pinias was supposed to be at, Mm -hmm. uh, Alex Pinias just didn't show up. Like Ooh. he he straight up stood Gore up, blocked him, ghosted him, <laughs> and then yeah yeah and then it's it was just a huge disaster for Gore and the Democrats. Now Alex Pinias um, said that he was on a flight or was in Spain because he had a flight um, at nine a.m. However. Uh, one of the Gore's uh, campaign managers, uh, he looked at the flight times and saw that no flight for Spain was leaving until like 2 p.m. And so not only did he stand them up, he also lied about why he stood them up. Mm-hmm. And Gore would later say that Alex Pinias was one of the worst people to work with in his entire career is there a reason do we know why penelius did this um it we don't officially know why um it could be he was standing in solidarity of the cuban american community oh it's hard to say pretty much that's fair i'm I'm not sure why he would jeopardize his career like this (laughs) now uh, the Republicans, on the other hand, uh, the Bush campaign, they really uh, went on to the Cuban Americans. They saw that they 
were really mad at the Clinton administration and Gore. And so they capitalized off of it. Um, I believe there's clips of Bush speaking Spanish um, at one of his rallies in Florida, uh, which is a very interesting thing yeah. to hear him do. Um, I'm surprised he knows Spanish. Uh, I don't know if he knew it. I think he probably, like, practiced a phrase or two. Oh, okay. Um, then we can we can gear into election night now. But So now... Now that we have this historical context of uh, who's where, um, what's been happening to Gore's campaign and Bush's campaign, um, mm-hmm. we can get into the election night. So all night, pretty much Florida was the only contested one until um, CBS, I believe, or NBC, one of the two. Um they called Florida for Gore, essentially. And because of exit uh, polling data, they thought it was safe to call it for Gore. However, yeah. we would later find out that that's not true because it, it came out to be it was too close to call. And so NBC had to take away their initial call for Gore. And this made Gore think that he lost pretty essentially that he was now able to concede and he was about to concede until one of his campaign managers said that there were a few discrepancies uh, with the numbers, the polling numbers, and then the actual results um, of the election. And so uh, Gore decided not to concede. Gore decided to fight a legal battle to see if he could muster up enough votes to win the state. Mm-hmm. And so a recount was called. Um, also, it's very important to mention that uh, the 24-hour news cycle, uh, which was still really pretty new in 2000, uh, they stayed on air like all night to see if the result has if like the results have been finalized but mm-hmm. it would take over a month or it would take a month to pretty much decide the winner of the 2000 election which is it's a long time yeah that's a month of administration building that neither of them could do yeah the discrepancy they found in Florida had to deal with the actual ballots themselves and how they were cast. And so uh, these ballots were a butterfly ballot, which is like two like two separate sides, kind of like a book. a book. Yeah. And in the middle, they had hole punches of who you wanted to vote for. And so sometimes people wouldn't punch it all the way through or would punch the wrong thing. Yeah. And so that's where we get the uh, hanging chads, pregnant chads, or undervotes, which are mm-hmm. just votes that were not counted because of this. And so after they discovered this discrepancy, a pretty big legal battle and a, a huge, pretty much just a huge headache for everybody involved. Yeah. Kathleen Harris, uh, Florida Secretary of State, she 
also had connections to Jeb Bush and the Bush campaign. And so uh, a lot of people kind of question the legitimacy of her making the rules of the recount. She also gave a deadline to all the counties to recount all the ballots. And Mm -hmm. if they were not able to do so, then what they have counted is what votes they have. And so... Uh I'm yeah. assuming uh, Gore can't, Gore's campaign was not happy with that. Not very, but they couldn't really do much about it. Yeah, uh, they did. They did try to sue and extend deadlines. However, I don't think any of them worked. Mm-hmm. And so we'll see that these uh, this deadline of the recounts has a lot to do with the result of the election. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not the only person that. Uh, contributed to Bush's uh, victory because we also have Roger Stone, which we mentioned a bit earlier. Uh, He was sent down to the state to help with the voting problems. So around 19,000 ballots were thrown out uh, due to either double punch because they voted for multiple people because they they accidentally voted for the wrong person. And so they punched the other one. The correct one that they meant to. And so, and it's believed that many voters accidentally voted for the third party, uh, Pat Buchanan. And he would later state that most of his votes were likely meant to Gore. um, Just because on the ballot, they were right next to each other. And so, it's also very interesting that, uh, that even the third party was saying that Gore should have gotten more votes than what he did. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever heard a third party complain about getting more votes ever. (laughs) Um, Stone's involvement is disputed. Uh, He says that he has uh, direct involvement in Bush's campaign in Florida and some of the decisions that they made. However, some of uh, Bush's campaign managers have disputed that, saying that he was nowhere near that involved. So it's been a week after the election, and Bush still leads the race so far, but the undervotes that were not counted for Gore um, would have put him over if yep. if they were for Gore. Because of these mistakes, about 10,750 votes were counted as undervotes or hanging chads. And so that's 10,000 votes that Gore did not receive. The Democrats wanted these partially punched through cards to count towards Gore, but the Republicans argued that the reason why these ballots weren't punched all the way through was because the voter just didn't want to vote for the president, mm-hmm. which you can make your own judgment call on that reasoning. But many people have said that, like, People aren't going to wait in line for five-plus five hours to vote for, like, a city commissioner. To not vote for the president? Yeah. yeah. It's not An interesting of, talking point. It is. It is. It's, it's not fact that all 10,000 votes were towards Gore or anything. Also, there was a huge connection to the amount of undervotes uh, and system issues in underfunded and impoverished areas in Florida. So many, a lot of these polling machines were out of date and without the proper staffing that some of these polling places had, 
um, they weren't able to run these machines properly. And so they would get clogged or jammed or just break, essentially. It's a systemic issue, though. It is a systemic issue. Just not providing resources to underfunded areas. Yeah, exactly. So with these just uh, clogged machines, just even more problems arose because of that. Miami-Dade County had to create a commission specifically for the recount. And so this commission would become essential to the result of the election. Mm-hmm. Um, it's comprised of Lawrence King, David Leahy, and Myriad Lair. Uh Leahy was the commissioner of elections, and the other two were just county judges. And so they were tasked with making the rules for the recount in Miami-Dade, but they would take a while to make these rules. And that's where the uh, time restraints come in, because this commission didn't get started straight away. They still had to do, I guess, logistical work, in a sense, and fixing mm-hmm. the uh, broken machines, trying to figure out what to do with undervotes and such. While this entire thing's going on, uh, Bush filed a first lawsuit to stop the hand recounts. Uh, he sent representatives to Miami during the recount to campaign against it. Um, and this is where we see the uh, pretty much just the attack on to Gore uh, in his campaign. Because the Bush administration, or Bush campaign, they created these t-shirts um, that kind of just made fun of or poked fun at uh, Gore. And there's uh, one particular t-shirt that I thought was kind of interesting was the uh, Gore Sore Loser Man, um, which which is a last it's a play on the running mate's last name, Lieberman. That's uh, pretty good. It is a very clever t-shirt yeah it is they also used cuban american talk shows in miami to really influence the the public's opinion about the recount and so it was kind of a pr move to to really just play on the emotions of the cuban american community still and so they drew comparisons of the havana revolution and castro uh just to try and strike emotion and try to get them rallied behind the idea that the election is being either stolen, mm-hmm. um, which is very interesting because the Bush campaign does a very good job of saying that not only are they the victors, but they are also the victims of this. Mm-hmm. So, very interesting uh, how they play this out. And so Republicans spread the message of this coup-esque type rhetoric. And Roger Stone even stated that it was it's an overheated rhetoric and it worked extremely well. This was really similar to me for uh, reminding me of 2020. Uh, just because of the PR move to attempt to say that the election was stolen. Um, though... Obviously, in this, Bush won the election and didn't lose it. Though it's, I guess you could 
possibly say that Bush pr- may have used that rhetoric of a stolen election in 2000. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not sure if he would have or would not have gone that far. Yeah. <clears throat> Especially not... I don't think he would have went as far as, like, January 6th. Oh, for sure. And so now we're getting around the time of Thanksgiving. And so remember those time constraints that I mentioned? Well, they're on Thanksgiving break now. And so now these kind time constraints are even tighter. Mm-hmm. And so after the Thanksgiving break has ended, uh, the Miami-Dade Commission Board still got back to work. And so uh, they were still changing some rules of it, uh, of the recount. The Bush campaign established an HQ in Florida, and it's it's literally just an RV. Party bus. The Fortnite battle bus. Party <laughs> bus. What is it called? <laughs> the battle. It is the battle bus. This right? the battle bus. Yeah. yeah, battle bus. The Bush battle bus <laughs> in Florida. <laughs> Dude, that's so good. The bu- <laughs> the Bush battle bus. <laughs> that's good. And so now we get into like probably one of the biggest like shocking moments that I had no idea happened during mm-hmm. this process. And that's the Brooke brothers riots. And so the, the Brooke brother riots were orchestrated by the Bush campaign. And it, it's not confirmed whether or not all of them were. However, most of them were Republican staffers. The Bush administration played it out to be the Cuban Americans just using their right to protest. Yeah. Um, as they saw that well so the Bush campaign made it sound like the Cuban Americans were extremely upset. However, they weren't gonna go that far to storm a building to to, to like see oh, wow. the counts. Yeah. So and so these Republican staffers stormed this the building that they were recounting the votes in. Mm-hmm. And so it was very tense, and it again it draws a lot of similarities from 2020 and January 6th, uh, with them shouting, "Let us see the ballots!" A lawyer that was helping them recount the ballots, uh, he took a fake, not a fake, but a practice ballot uh, into a separate room, and somebody saw this, and so she screamed, "He stole the ballot!" After which, a huge mob of people just chased after him for a while but mm-hmm. with the uh, with the police escort he was fine he was verbally harassed a lot also threatened so with this with these protesters are they like part of florida or are they just uh, so it's it's disputed but many people many of them that were there were not from florida at all they were sent mm-hmm. there by the Bush campaign for the specific reason mm-hmm. to essentially it's a sl- it's to slow down the process of the recount with the time constraints already being extremely tight and now them having to deal with this riot that yeah it, people just storming the building one day yeah I, yeah, I'm sure that 
definitely hindered the definitely hindered the process for sure. Mm-hmm. So with the Republicans' PR battle still going on, uh, many Republicans compared this Miami-Dade uh, recount commission as a banana republic, and in mm. uh, a banana republic, it, it's it's classified as like Central American countries that had a extreme dependency on foreign companies to prop up their economy essentially Mm -hmm. and so these companies would have immense control and influence over these central american governments and thus creating a less democratic uh, like process in the countries um fun fact a lot of these uh companies still exist uh they just operate under different names such as like dole which is like the big one so yeah there's there's that fact of of your favorite yes. banana companies overthrowing <laughs> governments yeah so is this fun. to try and like get the hispanic community in florida like against the democratic party is that why oh, they keep yeah absolutely so okay. the they keep on harping on cliches, honestly. They're just cliches um, mm-hmm. of just trying to get the Hispanic and Cuban-American community just riled up, essentially. All right, and so while this riot was going on, uh, Mayor Alex Pineas, he could have done something to step in and stop the protest, but he didn't. And it's reported, but not confirmed, that he was in Tallahassee, where he was talking to Republican lawmakers for the 2002 redrawing of Miami-Dade County, where it's reported that he asked for a more favorable district, essentially mm-hmm. just gerrymandering, which, yeah. you know, again, it's not confirmed. He has denied this, which makes sense to deny it. Yeah. Uh, the the Miami-Dade uh, commission, which I should also mention, uh, were worked under Mayor uh, Pinias, voted to stop the recount due to the time constraints. Which the time constraints they it, they could have easily extended it to <laughs> make sure they get the m- most accurate results. However, they didn't. So after this. Uh, the Florida Supreme Court uh, ordered all Florida counties to re- uh, recount votes by hand. And and this is a huge win for the... <clears throat> and this is a huge win for the Gore administration and the last hope, pretty much, for a Gore victory. Mm-hmm. However, on December 12th of 2000, more than a month after the election day... Uh, the Supreme Court ruled that Florida is to stop the recount and officially declare Bush as the winner. And this was extremely controversial uh, decision as Gore won around 500,000 more votes than Bush. So he won the popular vote by almost half a million. Mm-hmm. But since of the Electoral College, uh, Bush won. Yeah. And many people started to just criticize the process of the electoral college 
and we see that number one, a lot of people started parroting the electoral college. SNL, I believe, had a uh, some sort of skit, uh, just railing on the electoral college and how it should be reformed. But uh, many state legislators after this also went to their uh, election laws and changed some things. Um, some states rolled out pretty big changes. Some only tweaks minor issues just to ensure that something like a hanging Chad doesn't happen again. Yeah. Cause that it just, it just was not a messy situation. Yes. It, not efficient. Yeah. <laughs> it, to say the it, least. Yeah. <laughs> With that Bush won the 2000 election off of many different factors. Uh, mainly being legal factors with the Supreme Court's decision to stop the recount. Mm -hmm. But what if Gore had won? Have you ever thought about that, Cameron? What if? I have not, but it's a very interesting question. Mm, yeah, well, let me answer it. And so, number one, this is just pretty... This is alt history. This isn't like a... This isn't fact or... What would have happened. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) This is just pure speculation. Mm -hmm. uh, Just based off of who Gore was and what his campaign promises were. Yeah. So, one of the huge differences immediately, no child left behind would not exist. And I think teachers everywhere would celebrate if it did not exist true that uh, and we've we were born after the 2000 election and after no child left behind or like around the time of no child left mm-hmm. behind so i guess it would it would be interesting to see what school would be like without it no i step yeah without standardized testing that stresses so many kids yeah um now it's important to mention that 911 would still probably happen um, it people have contributed the 2000 election delay as the reason why 9/11 was not stopped because neither candidate could build an administration to like you know gain information that would be useful like yeah. stopping 9/11. However, in this scenario, it still happens and the U.S. Yeah. still invades Afghanistan and so. The big difference would be the 2003 uh, Iraq invasion, which was purely a Bush, like, that was Bush's big thing. And so without the U.S. needing to invade Iraq and divert resources away from Afghanistan, uh, they could have made a better, suitable government or a, a stronger government in Afghanistan, uh, thus making a easier for the u.s to leave earlier instead of spending 20 years in it so after they would have killed bin laden it would likely be that the provisional afghan government set up by the united states would also fall after the withdrawal of the united states it's i don't think really any scenario other than a complete american occupation would result in a like a non warlord Afghan government. Yeah. If that makes sense. 
Yeah. Because even today with the Taliban under control, there's still insurgencies fighting the Taliban uh-huh. uh in afghanistan in particular the north part of afghanistan but and i i doubt where al gore could tackle that issue no um, um but he doesn't really need to yeah uh so gore could focus more on his campaign promises uh and mostly domestic policy uh a huge he was a huge proponent of green energy and so he would i feel like he would like just revolutionize America as a green as a proto green giant. Mm-hmm. If that that's a good name actually, a green giant. Oh, yeah. Um but we would have a lot more incentives for green energy and our green energy industry would be massively bigger than what it is right now. Um probably more advanced too. Yeah, ext- oh yeah, very. If Gore, especially if Gore would uh, win re-election in 2004, then absolutely. And in this scenario, he does. And and again, without the Iraq War, uh, the United States would have been way more peaceful. Uh, Gore opposed the Patriot Act, so it's very likely that the Patriot Act would never be passed. Or it would be passed with like a skeleton of what it was. Or what it is. Uh-huh. And, and so this would, number one, this would change the standard of surveillance of civilians in the United States, along with different security measures around the United States. Some people say that they're necessary. Some people say that they're intrusive and authoritarian. But under Gore, it wouldn't have been. TBH. You know, TBHing right now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's and without Bush failing to find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, uh, the modern GOP uh, political landscape would look pretty different, and, and so would the Democratic Party. Um, mm-hmm. And so, without Bush, like not radicalizing, but like pushing some to radicalism. Uh, it would still most likely be a Reagan-esque party instead mm-hmm. of uh, later gearing towards a populist uh, platform with people like Donald Trump. Yeah. And that is the 2000 election, along with just a short hypothetical of a Gore 2000 victory. Number one, I want to say thank you. Yeah, very interesting. Thank you, Cameron, for joining me and of course being an amazing host it was a good time i enjoyed learning i learned a lot thank you i learned a lot too actually any final thoughts uh not that i can think of it's interesting to see how controversial the 2000 election was considering that like we weren't around to experience it but oh exactly shaped shaped modern american history for sure oh yeah forever 